Download the app, Bet Big, Win Bigger. I gotta tell you, I really like the sound of that. And with WinBet, it's just that easy. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. So if you're in Colorado, or in Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, or right here in sweet Virginia, sign up today to receive a special offer, risk-free $500 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com. Download the app, bet big, win bigger. And let's get after it. Terms and conditions apply, must be 21 or older and present in state where WinBet is available. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-270-7117. You're at nine waffles now? Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm on number 10 right now. So I Number just 10, yeah. So- nine, yeah. So you've just essentially you've run out of room, uh, Chris. <laughs> so, you know, I see some water there, which yep. is good because you want to have some fluid because what that's going to help is, you know, not to go into too much detail for the audience, but some gastric emptying, which probably needs to take place. Right. Yep. Now- everybody my yesterday your two days ago i went to the waffle house uh and i set out to complete the waffle house challenge and i would say i won uh but it was not without great effort and it wasn't without great discomfort i'm going to take you on a ride here that's going to last you about two hours uh and i'll be popping in every now and again but i am alive i'm fine sorry for the spoiler enjoy Hey guys, uh, I'm here. I'm at the Waffle House. You can probably hear plates clanging in the background. You hear waffles being cooked. Um, this is the real deal, Holyfield. How many podcasts do you get from inside a Waffle House? I got a nice corner booth. Uh, I'm hanging out. I've already started eating. I'll get into that in a second. If you listen to the pod, you know I lost the bet. Um, and it would look like I'm the real loser sitting in a Waffle House for 24 hours uh with my only lifeboat being pounding these very heavy waffles uh into submission like for every waffle i eat an hour comes off my time so i got in here about 115 uh and i plan on leaving by sundown you do the math on that uh and it, it might be my choice um if i stay till sundown i was that confident when i walked in i'm prepared I've been fasting. I've been listening to Taylor and the guys. I've been heeding the nutritional tips. Uh, I ate one giant meal last night. It was a filet, two sides of mac and cheese, a side of Brussels sprouts, a side of broccoli, two cornbread, which were big pieces of cornbread, uh, and some fried oysters. And I topped that off with an ice cream sandwich. And uh, I want to shout out Maya Restaurant. Uh, and then from there, I shut it down. I got a little stoned and watched White Lotus, and I ended up with, uh, forget what it was. It was something high in fiber. Ah, bag of skinny pop. 
that's all okay and a couple little nibbles of fruit this morning because it you know set like a fiber foundation for all these waffles so that they exit the building the way they came in i'm hungry when i walked in the building today all right like i said prepared i did the meal right i fasted right those are the good news things right now what i'm doing is i'm doing this for the love of the game i'm doing this because i pay my debts i'm doing this because i'm a man of my word macon's at the beach and yeah you might think i'm the real loser but i kind of think he's the real fucking loser he's at the beach with his family it's 120 degrees outside there's not even like anything to look at at the beach it's just sand and the ocean it never looks different he's not in the caribbean he's at like a standard east coast beach with his small child his lovely wife and his parents and he's there for a week i get to go home at sundown okay who's the loser he won the bet he decides um the bad news yeah it's hot it's not waffle weather it's like literally 100 degrees outside i went for a run after i saw the sodium content in the amount of waffles that i was trying to eat is like up around a, a few thousand milligrams which is bad you know that's enough to make you if you don't have man boobs you're gonna have man boobs okay like i was totally dreading coming in here in this weather to eat waffles i had abs i i've had i mean like 30 minutes ago i had abs first time in my life i had like six abs not even a lie not anymore bonnaroo's in 10 days i'm gonna look all bloated but i'm paying my debt i'm also here's the worst news of it all i'm battling constipation and i want to say that quietly because there's families here in fact i just made eye contact with a woman and i hope she didn't hear what i said i'm battling constipation right now okay um and i've been pounding the stool softener okay i'm all loaded up on stool softener i'm all loaded up on fiber um but constipation much like you know a, a grade three hammy is just a mental distraction you know this is my grade three hamstring uh mind over matter okay i'm all business i came in here with one fucking outfit it's on my body okay i'm not even wearing socks i'm wearing swim trunks in the waffle house okay i'm wearing swim trunks i'm gonna be out of here soon i don't need to change i'm not gonna need a change of clothes when i played for the eagles there was a guy named jason kelsey and we talk about him a lot on the pod we go on on a, a road trip he would have the tiniest duffel bag like the size of a shoebox, and he'd balance that thing on his massive shoulder and it was like khaki colored with green straps and guys would laugh at him probably a lot like the one you've seen on the philadelphia eagles like uh site when the guys get on the plane and whatnot like jason kelsey has that draped over his shoulder every road trip and you know what when you think about it uh you don't have a lot of baggage you don't have much to think about and what that says to me is burn the ships me wearing swim trunks to the waffle house is a burn the ships move we're burning the ships i'm gonna be out of this motherfucker by sundown i told my wife i'll be home and i mean it i told my children i'll see you tonight i didn't say see you tomorrow i said i'll see you tonight so i will be leaving later and i talked to my old nutritionist in new england chef ted who's the man okay shout out chef, chef ted he said it's a marathon not a sprint so guess what i did i ate six waffles in 15 minutes okay i don't even know why i asked him for a strategy i was going to do what i was going to do no matter what okay and i'm going to need to gardener Minshew here at some point by the way, congratulations, Gardner Minshew can now relax and take a number two. And usually bloating will stop me in my tracks, but not here. I'm gonna be sitting mostly, I'll be walking occasionally, I'll be keeping the exercise going. I'm just walking laps around this place. Now the good news, okay, cold AC, lots of natural light, 
You know, like if this was a listing for a house, like I'm buying. Okay, it's got everything you need. A uh, couple great producers here. Got an Exxon nearby. So if I need them to run out and get me some like I don't know Tums or whatever it is or the tin to dip, uh, these guys can do that because I can't physically leave the Waffle House till the deed is done. Uh, there's also a Taco Bell here messing up my appetite and making me appreciate what I have in front of me, which are these delicious waffles cooked by my new friends here. The branding is great here. I just want to remind people waffles are better than pancakes and IHOP has a big mountain of branding work to do. I mean, every waffle house is iconic. Every waffle house is awesome. IHOP, your only chance is to make all of your buildings look like a stack of pancakes. You need like a syrup fountain or some shit like that. That's the only way you can keep up with waffle house. Okay. Waffles are better than pancakes anyways, fundamentally. All right. And here's the best part of the whole thing. This is literally like a family. This waffle house is like a family. Some of the nicest people I've ever met. And some of them can hear me recording right now. And they know I'm not full of it because when they walked in, I said like, I might stay two days. Yeah. Yeah. So shout out to the, the team here on fifth street extended waffle house here in Seville. Uh, they are awesome. When I came in, I felt like literally, you know how you, you walk in the house and like, you, yeah, you feel at home. Your kids are like excited to see your wife. It's like 50, 50, but here it's a hundred percent, like legitimately, Hey, this is awesome. And so maybe we have some new podcast listeners. I got a new friend named Cindy. I called her my guardian angel. I'm going to have her on in a second because she's been giving me tips. She drove from like an hour away to come visit me at the waffle house. She's a valued employee. She FaceTimed her boss earlier, put me on the phone. And I said, she's one of the best American workers I've ever met. Cindy has been hooking me up with tips like, Hey, some Sprite would probably help. Cause you want to burp. You know, if you're going to put down all these waffles, you got it. You need the carbonation. I don't know if it's true or not. She might've stayed at a holiday Inn express last night. She might not be an expert, but I'm listening to her. She's got a name tag. They gave me a name tag. They gave me a waffle hat. Uh, in fact, her boss said to me, he goes, how many did you eat? I said, I've eaten six so far. He said, we're going to be taking a nap soon. And I kind of am feeling that waffle uh, melatonin kind of washing over me a little bit. I finished six waffles in 15 minutes and I'm going to let it set for a little bit. At first, Cowboy Reed was talking about, hey, is, uh, is your stomach sending you signals yet? That's what we read about. The stomach sends the brain signals to tell you you're full. No service. Okay. No service. Stomach had one bar at some point here around waffle six, a 300 pound gorilla jumped on my back. And all of a sudden my stomach had service. I don't know if it was holding the phone in the air, but my brain is receiving the signal. And now I got to chill out for a little bit. The signals are reaching my brain. So I'm going to interview Mike waffle, my old, my old D line coach. Hey, I don't even need to tell you why he's coming on the show. His name is literally waffle. And we struck out on every other guest. Like I was DMing. I DM Joey chestnut. Okay. I'll read you the DM later. It's pathetic. I'm DMing competitive eaters and just being left on red. But I, you know, I do have my old D line coach. He coached, uh, that legendary giants D line and the should have been legendary, uh, Rams D line. And, and he coached for the Raiders when they, when they were in the Super Bowl with Gannon. So we'll tell some stories with BS. And then out of that, you'll hear from, from, uh, my guardian angel, as I called her Cindy, she had a couple hot tips for me. We'll check in with her for a second. And then we got a big show on the back end, some mailbags, some surprise guests, some some Dr. Facts. Dr. Facts just walked in. He's all smiles. He don't have to eat any waffles. So without further ado, let me, uh, let me bring Mike waffle on the show. 
Super Bowl champion, defensive line extraordinaire, U.S. Marine, uh, and daycare supervisor, Mike Waffle, my old coach, is joining me live from the Waffle House. What's up, Waffle? Chris Long, one of my favorites. <laughs> asking me to be on, and I'm, I'm looking forward to this. How many waffles do you think I have down, Waff? Uh, you said six the last time I checked. Where are you at now? I'm still at six, man. <laughs> <laughs> My great-great-grandfather, okay, our last name was spelled W-A-F-F-L-E. He was a highly decorated um, Union soldier in the Civil War. He actually uh, was in the 141st uh, Infantry Regiment. Day and uh, out of uh, Steuben County in western New York, in the southern tier of western New York, not too far from Gettysburg, really. And uh, he actually fought his first battles in the state of Virginia. Uh, his first battle was in Chancellorville. Oh, wow, yeah. I'm a stone, stone uh, wall. Jackson was actually shot in the arm and died after that battle. You know, he lost his left arm. And then he fought um, in a place called Crossroads, which was actually east of, of uh, Richmond. And so the Confederate headquarters was in Richmond, Virginia. Okay. Then his, his third battle, okay, was on this place called um, Diascund Bridge, all right, which is by Toano, Toano. Virginia, all right, which is down towards, you know, James, you know, Jamestown and that in, in Williamsburg. Okay, it's kind of down in that area. And then and then Suff the last battle he fought in Virginia was at Suffolk. Okay, folk or Suffolk. So, Suffolk. We say Suffolk. Yeah, Suffolk? Okay, right. All right. Yeah. So I know <laughs> <laughs> for his last battle in, in Virginia was, and then and then he started south after that. And and that, but that was his first four battles that he participated in. Now, the greatest thing about Henry Waffle was this. Because he was a decorated soldier, he was chosen to guard over Abraham Lincoln's body in the Capitol building. What? Yes. Yeah, oh, that's pretty cool. tight. Wow, that's pretty good. I mean, you did some cool stuff in your life, but that's that's pretty damn cool. Henry Waffle. Why, how did he change his name? He changed the first letter in Waffle to a U, right? So uh, when I used to call recruits, you know, and just so they could remember my last name, and I said Waffle was a good key. But I said my spelling of my last name to help you remember, okay, they changed change the first F to a U. So if you can't remember that, F U. <laughs> Ralph Waldo Emerson said back in 1837 that it's very difficult to be simple enough to be good, you know. Uh, you know, you're in the NFL, you were the elite, uh, very, very much genius status by several individuals there. Um, you know, some used to say they had 162 uh, IQ. I felt like uh, I, I had a 162 street IQ, but there was some very, very intelligent people that I worked with. Al Davis was one of the greatest intellectuals I ever worked with, ever, ever. Yeah. Tell me, tell me, you know, a story about Al that might illustrate to people kind of at home uh, that, that wouldn't know. I mean, my dad, I grew up with these stories. I mean, the guy transcended, you know, well, the structure of NFL front, front offices at the time. Yeah. I, I was at Cal Berkeley, you know, Cal Berkeley was very close to the Raider facility. You know, it was probably eight miles away. And, but we lived in the Oakland Hills and he lived in Piedmont and it was just over the hill, actually one mile from my house to his house. Okay. And so I lived there in that five years when I was at Cal, prior to going to the Raiders. Now, I had an interview with Al Davis one-on-one -on -one for, for me to get the job because he never hired a defensive line coach in the history of the Raiders prior to this out of college. He always had 
guys, you know, like Earl Luggett, your father's coach, you know, yeah. played pros and they're pro guys. That was the first time. So I had to meet with him one-on-one. Now, did it. Our house is one mile apart from each other up in the Oakland Hills, okay? He flies me, all right, to his condo in Marina Del Rey in Los Angeles, all right, to meet with him one-on-one for four straight hours of grind, you know? Mm-hmm. And at the, end of, at the end of it, he says, uh, Michael, you just do what I tell you to do. And by the way, I got all your luck. Now, I had wrote the man from the first time I met him. When your dad was in training camp down in, in Oxnard, Yep. That's the first time I met him. I mean, it was like the first year that they were there. It was 1983, 84, something like that. But it was the first year they were there. And that's when I met him. He goes, I'm not only do I like East Coast guys, I really like New York guys. You know, I'm being from New York. That was always an advantage. You know, him, because he was from Brooklyn. Now, what he did was that I thought was really, really, really special. Okay. Is that um, I didn't know the league like that well. And every, every other day called me all the time and met with me every day and taught me the NFL. And that was his whole deal that he was going to uh, advance my knowledge of the national football league. Um, and we were, there was only 30 teams in the NFL when I came in and, you know, Defense was 30th, and my first year we finished in the top five of everything defensively. Yeah. And and so, I mean, but he, he was great, and he taught me everything, you know. And so I was kind of – you'll love this story. So we're sitting in a meeting, and and um, uh, he, he's I'm, I'm kind of talking. He's, he's talking about sacks. He goes, I want more sacks. And I said, well, Mr. Davis, you know, prior to us getting here, you know, we've almost doubled the number in sacks. So from last year, and he goes – I don't care. I want more sacks. He goes, I pay those guys millions of dollars and I don't know why I'm paying you. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Who was your kind of alpha in that room? Oh, in the beginning, it was awesome. I had Russell Maryland and Pat Swilling, Andre Bruce, you know, they were like my older guys. They were, they were, uh, and then my young guys were Daryl Russell, Grady Jackson, you know, Lance Johnstone. So I really had a nice mix there and they all were successful. Lance was in double digit sacks multiple times. Uh, Daryl Russell made the Pro Bowl first two. He's in double digit sacks. Yeah. You know, uh, Grady Jackson, you know, you know, he ended up getting an awful lot of weight. But he, his time when he was with us, he was very, very uh, productive backup. I mean, at least for me, the first D-line that because of my age and when I was watching the NFL, like that I really fell in love with that you coach was the New York D-line and everybody was enamored with it. I mean, you've got, you're sitting here in the office, you've got a lot of Giants memorabilia. Uh, you've got a lot of, you got a stray hand Jersey sign. We had OC on the other week. We talked beforehand, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it, what a special group and what a unique group, like any D-line, right? I mean, what was that atmosphere like in New York, and why did you seem to love it so much? Well, I think the thing that you know firsthand, okay, and you experience on a day-in and day-out basis is that when I was a young coach, I decided that I really didn't like myself. I was coaching like a Marine Corps drill instructor, you know, all the time. And uh, I really thought to myself, you know, if I, if I can coach a defensive line like I would want to be coached, okay, that's that would be – my ideal situation. And and so that's why I always created that environment. And I did it in college and, and I carried, and we had a lot of success at Cal Berkeley. I mean, I had a lot of number ones on that D line, you know, and, and, um, and so I carried that into the NFL and I never, I never knew thought that it would happen. I didn't know if it would, if it could happen. you know, And, and it did, it happened at the Raiders. 
Uh, it happened at the New York Giants. It happened every every one of them. And, and if you really talk to those guys, you know, like you said, those you know, knowing him, but they they really appreciate and remember that freedom uh, that they had in that room to be able to express themselves and wake up every day and like. Couldn't wait to get in the room. Well, you never know what you're going to get when you walk into a D-line room. I really do believe that they are the biggest characters. We are the biggest characters on a football field. And we're also the tone setters in a building. I feel like, and you did a good job of this. You just talked about it. You have to let us be us. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. And I, you play, the players play the game. You know, some of these coaches, you know, they take it on the shoulders and, and – and, um, too much, too heavy on their shoulders. The players, if the people come to watch the players, they don't come to watch the coaches. Um, and and the, and the players are the NFL, and and that's the end of story. They're the ones that draw the fans. And, and once you realize, and I always, I realize that's one thing Mr. Davis taught me right away. I mean, he, he told me that right away. Humbled your little butt right away, you know. And um, and I think that's important, you know, that that um, you know you you know you realize that it is a players' league, and that you know they. They're the ones that are bringing, you know, the people to the stadiums, you know. What do you think is the most dominant game your Giants team or your Giants front ever played? Because people remember the Super Bowls and that sort of thing, and they were dominant games, but you had so many to choose from. The one game that I always, always are going to remember, you know, is is the, the game up in Green Bay. Uh, it was a game to go, the NFC Championship game, to go to the Super Bowl. And when uh, Kathy and I held the Super Bowl trophy to take a picture, they had the NFC Championship trophy. And I said, you know, Kath, I really want to hold that. And then you could hold the Super Bowl trophy in our picture uh, because it was 25 below zero. I don't care what weather reports they got that day. It wasn't a lot of wind, but at times it was 25 below zero. You look at Coach Coughlin's cheeks and how red they were. Mine was the same way. It was freezing. And some of those D linemen, man, no sleeves. And Green Bay had been running the football like crazy. And they they actually had 240-plus yards the week before in the playoff game against Seattle. And uh, we held them to 25 in that game, you know, and, you know, and we took the, we took, we took away the run, you know, we forced them to pass. We didn't get a lot of sacks and stuff. We harassed Favre. Favre got rid of the ball quick. You know, it was one of those kind of things. Um, but, but uh, we won that game up front and I was really proud of that. Michael Strahan, guy on your wall, uh, Jersey right there over your left shoulder. Somebody I've known from, you know, early on because my pops knew him so well. And you, you always use Stray. Uh, to teach a lot of different techniques and, you know, mindsets and that sort of thing. And especially like the power with which he played the game. But, you know, even as dominant as he was his last year, he was thinking about not playing for that last Super Bowl. Uh, what went into him coming back on the field? Because we've talked about this a little bit. The thing about, about Michael that I thought that was so good to be able to pass on to anybody is that his character, um, and, and, and he might have been one of the nastiest people on game day. I mean, just very intense. And one, I mean, he would knock you out in a New York minute. Um, just the intensity in his face, you could just, you could express it. And, and, and it really came from internally, you know, um, just a really tough guy. But I had a flip phone, okay? And I barely could use the flip phone. And this was 2007. And um, I was, 
you know, trying to call him all the time. He was in Hermosa Beach, you know, he was, you know, and we were going through training camp. And I finally, um, he said, he, he called me and, and he texted me. I get a text message from him. And so he, I had to text message. We, he would text message with me and I have my big ass fingers on that little flip phone. And that was the first time I ever sent a text message was to him. And that's where I had to learn how to text. <laughs> so after a few days of text messaging him, I said, you better talk to me right now on the phone. I, I'm sick of this text. Stuff. So he gets on the phone. I said, Michael, listen, um, this team, reminds me we had a good three-year stretch uh got this we, we lost to baltimore after big saragusa took out um uh, rich gannon you know for the super bowl we would have played the giants uh and and, and we would have had a chance to win that game with rich gannon we got the tuck rule the next year with with brady with that team at the, at the raiders that was our best team but that next t- next next year when john gruden went to tampa and we had to play him in the super bowl that team you know, went to the Super Bowl, and that was a very good team. But the team the year before was better, okay. Yeah. Um, and so and that was taken away from us by the truck rule. And and so, anyways, I told Michael, I said, "Listen, man, those, those three, those three years, I got to be a Super Bowl team, and this team at the Giants just like that. The only missing part is you." Yeah. And he goes, "Off, you lost the Super Bowl." I said, "No, that's not the purpose, man. You, got, you know, that's not it. You." You got to, uh, you got to uh, come back to this team. You know, you, you're needed. Yeah, it sounded like he just wanted to miss Cam. Yeah, he did some good. You know, really make much difference. You know, <laughs> how about his technique? Because you know, it's he, he was very precise. I mean, he's very powerful, but he was also very precise, and the precision and the power made for a lot of successful rushes. In all of my studies, with the exception of Reggie White, okay. He was the greatest power rusher and your father, uh, the greatest power rushers ever. They knew how to, to really leverage people. You know, your father had a shorter legs, longer torso. And that's always, that's really a good position. You know, how he was just great at leveraging people. Uh, Michael was the same way, you know, he was built different. He had longer legs and shorter. So, you know, but, but those, those combinations really um, allowed them to plus with all their God gifted strength. Um, he was one of the greatest power rushers in the history of the NFL, along with Howie, who we sit next to, and along with, with uh, Reggie White. I felt like those were the top three ever. But the thing that he, he always uh, said, I gave, I gave you credit office because I taught him how to be an edge rusher. You know, his last sack was a chop club, you know, on Brady in the third quarter. You know, and you've seen that a thousand times, but it was just really fun you know to have you know help him you know being able to convert uh from you know stuff using power all the time i commented on that picture over your shoulder it's one of my favorite pictures in the world um you know quite literally i posted a that picture on my instagram the other day and i got a, a text from will and he said man i looked at that picture i want to cry you know like we were just, we were a very tight group in St. Louis. And I'm referring to a picture that was in Sports Illustrated. I saw believe. And ironically, this was after we had a lot of our success. So, you know, you got yeah. a, a guy or two in that picture, like Nick Fairley, who wasn't there for that long. But we yeah. had a very special group. Speak to, speak to the people about kind of what we had in St. Louis. Well, you know, the thing is a shame. You know, you went to New England and you were with Tom and, and, and you, you got to have that powers at that position, you know, and Nick Foles, I love Nick, you know, we were together and and you guys did it in uh, Philadelphia, you know, but you got to, it's just a shame. We didn't have that kind of an offense, uh, you know, 
together when we were there those years because we would have tore this league up. That's how good that defensive line was. So we led the NFL in those five years in tackle for losses. And I think the next second place team was like 40 behind us. Yep. I mean, it was a, I mean, yearly. And we were yeah. that and you know I used to put the stats up there all the time. Um, the other thing is that we led the NFL weren't even close was the quarterback hits and knockdowns, you know, um, because you know, a lot of those could have been converted to quarterbacks were so scared of us they'd get rid of the ball too. You know that. Oh um, yeah. We were we were very, very we were good rushers. And and that's probably the one unit, Chris, that um realistically if we had the the right circumstances, we could have uh, broke the NFL sack record. That's how good we were. Yeah, I think one year we were up in the fifties for sure. Yeah. Um and yeah. and you know, it it doesn't hurt to have a guy like Robert Quinn who had nineteen in one year. I saw it up close. What were you seeing from the sideline? Because, you know, I had, you know, nine sacks a year, whatever it was. And I felt like I had about three of them, (laughs) you know, it's just so crazy to watch him. You're always a, uh, a step late when it came. (laughs) He's so quick. I mean, you're just as clean as clean. There really, you know, you remember we, we, you know, I'd always cut up your great rushes. You remember we did that. We always bought the best players on Friday. Uh, that was kind of funny. Everybody used to feel good Friday. We used to, I never would show the good plays after the game. I'd always just show the uh, plays after the game that we need right? And then yeah. on Friday, all our good stuff together, tackle for losses and our rushes. Some of those rushes were terrific that weren't sacks. Some of your rushes outstanding and your, your power inside, your inside moves, you know, that you're getting hits on the quarterback or right. Russell owner to wait quick, you know. Uh, we really had some tremendous rushes, you know, and and and, uh, and the thing is about it is that you could take those takes, you could take all those plays, and maybe made up some of the greatest teaching plays of how to play the game and how to rush the passer, you know. And I still have all those, you know, too. You know, yeah. So I never, I'd never seen anything like Robert though, because he picked up that chop club thing and he did it way differently. Like OC would kind of be, you know, shoulder width uh, apart with the feet and he'd be stuttering in, stepping on a guy's toes then bouncing back out. Rob was running full speed to a spot, jumping in the air, touching the ground on his chop and then touching the ground with his knee and turning the corner. It's because he's so long. Yeah. He's so long and that, and that's why, but he's so fast anyways, you know, so he was pigeon toed, you know, and he was kind of corner like crazy, you know, but, uh, mechanically that's the way you would do it. And I was always on him. Okay. You know, it's just faster. You know, I just sent our group text a picture of you on zoom and Quinny just texted back and circled the stray hand Jersey, nice and big. Cause everybody <laughs> knows who your guy is. I think what he's trying to say is where's my Robert Quinn Jersey on the wall. Mike Brocker said, Tell the story of when me and AD flattened his ass on the sled that one day. My man oh my was hurting. <laughs> well, you got to remember, I had some really seriously uh, serious back surgeries, okay? And foot at the ram, but I had back surgery, okay? And uh, I'd always get on the middle of this Gilman sled that, that uh, the, the, the tension on that spring would come back on you guys. And it's probably unfair because it was probably taking out a 500 pound blocker coming at you like a semi truck, you know, probably, you know, you think yeah. it was a little unfair. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad you waited 10 years to tell me, <laughs> but it's the same breath. You know, we, we took pride. We used to take that across the field in training camp. Remember that? But, no uh, doubt. No doubt. 120 degrees in St. Louis. We were driving across the field and back as an eight man sled or whatever it was. Michael and uh, AD 
were there and, and I would move my foot, you know, and, and I had my I had my hands on it, but I would step backwards on the rail to be able to uh, balance myself, be able to hold myself because when you hit, they hit that thing. I mean, you know, it was crazy. So I must have flinched and I didn't have my foot on the rail and they hit that thing. I had both my hands on the backside of those those spring pads and I flew in the air. And I landed on the back part of that sled, okay? And, I, and I mean, it ribs and I'm back, butt, hip, everything hurt, you know? And if you remember, I didn't, I didn't say anything, okay? <laughs> I thought you were dead. I just walked around. I just didn't say nothing, you know? I just walked around. It's kind of, you okay? You okay? Just silence. I didn't say anything. I had to show that I was a tough-ass Marine, man, but that's what <laughs> level was probably on a scale of one to 10 was rated at 9.5. You know? Well, Hey, listen, that was one of those things where like you'd put us through so much pain on that sled. Eventually we had to knock you off once. And, oh, and yeah, we, need, was- we need, we needed the, the godlike strength of Aaron Donald, the, the Aaron oh. Donald pick, take me behind the curtain because I know there was some, some like disagreement. And then, you know, like for you, you like long players, but you liked AD, yeah. you saw it from day yeah. one. Well, the thing is, the thing is that, you know, he won about every trophy there was in, in college football, you know, Lombardi yeah. trophy, everything, you know, yeah. and, but, you know, he, he had, he, he was, I could see it. I mean, it's just, it was the greatest gift as you guys know, and, and you used to, I, I would throw things out there with the exercise physiology background. And I let you guys try things and you kind of like, uh, you know, no off, that ain't going to work, you know, but right. I always think about the physical part of it. I was always able to do that. That's one thing Al Davis always appreciated is that because of my theology background with my master's in it, um, I always had an eye for talent physically. Okay. And that was Aaron. I could see it. Uh, I timed him at the combine, always on the floor, running the drills at the combine. I timed him uh, one, five, three in the 10. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute, no way, no way. I time him myself. I don't care what the, I don't care what the combine said, but he had type of explosion, you know. And and I could just see it. And so, um, a lot of teams passed him by. You know, I we weren't looking for a number one, but uh, you know, Jeff Fisher listened to my uh, story, you know, prior to the draft. And when he was there, we already picked Robinson at that second pick, but but when he was there at number thirteen, you know, uh, Coach Fisher, you know, he. He, he was a general. He, he, made the, he made all the decisions. He was the general manager too, really. And um, but Coach Fisher uh, allowed us to have uh, Aaron on, on on the D line, which was just phenomenal. It was one of those things where people were like, "Y'all have five first round picks on the D line. Why do we need another one?" Well, you another pass one. him up, everybody's going to call us idiots. No, no I, was, I was I was actually I was actually working on a project. I did, I had the TV muted. I wasn't even watching the draft, and yeah. I think. 10th round, uh, you know, t- the 10th pick, a 10th pick. And I look up and I go, Oh my God, nobody took Aaron Donald. Are you kidding me? And then I got involved, you know, um, I had him up higher than Clowney or anybody on the board. I had him up way up. I actually had to jump with my, my uh, one foot vertical jump <laughs> and threw his name up at the top of the board. And it was always at the top of the board at an angle slanted up there. You know, I just, I had that much high regard for him. Uh, one of the funny stories is, you know, the 30 visits that you have prior to the draft, you know, yeah. he was one 
30 visits and um, Jeff Fisher and, 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 and uh, uh, Les Nee and, and, and uh, all the, all the CEOs and everybody, they were doing the quarterbacks and all the offensive coaches were in the draft room, the quarterbacks. So I just, I didn't knock on a door or anything. I just opened the door and Aaron and I just walked in and interrupted. So we just, you know, I walked over and I had my arm around Aaron's shoulder. Okay, and I walked in the room with him, right with him, with my arm underneath my shoulder, and I squatted down so that we were the exact same height. <laughs> and uh, everybody, everybody loved it. That was it was really cool. I would say, Waff, you know, you said Stray is the baddest dude you ever saw on game day and two on two yeah. cleats. Well, maybe I don't want to put words in your mouth, but for me, the baddest guy I saw on two cleats on game day was Aaron Donald. And I only got to see him up close for a year or two. But there's nobody who was meaner. But that's okay. <laughs> hey, you were no little piece of cake. I mean, you 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 did some nasty things. That's what I liked about that line because we did some crazy things. I mean, yeah, we did crazy. How about, shit. How, about we, yeah. Gene, how about Gene's talking? <laughs> you know what? Hey, Gene was nuts. And I always tell people, you know, I, I think a lot of it is I didn't get I didn't get you know notoriety until I was you know, half the player I was in my prime because I, you know, I wasn't on winning teams. And then when I got up to Philly and new England, people started to pay attention. And I, you know, when I get these interviews, they were like, is this the best D line you've ever played on? And this isn't throwing shade at any of the awesome players that were on that D line, but the depth we had on that St. Louis D line and the top end talent, there's nothing like it. I've ever been a part of. I'm close. You, you, you never were blank. Nobody would ever, blank everybody like if you you, you needed to have, be subbed out you did, we felt comfortable just subbing in all yep. the time yeah and that was a great about greg williams he allowed us to do that well one of the hardest things i can remember and william hayes and i became like best friends but when you got to st louis i was used to being a 70 snap a game guy you know yep. i was used to playing 80 snaps a game it was almost a point of pride like you you can't kill me you can't take me out but i remember we went down to detroit and will only took like nine snaps and you were at the, after the game on the bus we're like Hey man, like we got to rotate more. And I can remember my, in my head, I was like, I don't know how to play like that. But eventually the rotation thing became one of our big strengths and it became a thing we took pride in. Yeah. It's like a pro wrestling tag team. You know, they, the offensive linemen in the fourth quarter, they just, they, they hated it. Yeah. And it's different styles, you know, like you'd go from, you know, myself to William and on the other side, it'd be Robert to Eugene or something else, or, you know, there'd be, you'd have to, you'd have to block AD and Kendall and, you know, Nick Fairley. And so everybody has different styles. And I think that's really tough for alignment as well. Oh, no, I agree. You know, and, and, and everybody, you know, they, everybody played so hard. That's what was number one. Yeah. Everybody it's so hard because they were fresh. And if you didn't, I mean, there's times, I mean, you know, for a fact, you go out and you play your guts out for just two plays and you go, come on in, Will. You know what I mean? You know, you, yeah, you yeah. Just tag, play. tag, tag. Just until you got you, you know, you got yourself covered and then you go back in. But that was the freedom that, that was another thing that I did. The freedom uh, I allowed you guys to have substitute for each other without having a coach involved. Yeah, that was really good. I thought that was good because it put like onus on us and it improved our relationships because we had to work out, you know, me and Will or Rob and his and his back up or whatever. Like we had to and we didn't say backup because we were all starters and you know, like William Hayes could start thirty teams. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't even matter. But before you go, I need one I need I'm like seven waffles down now. I have you know, an unknown amount left to eat. 
Well, you know, it's kind of it's kind of rare, okay, for the Waffle House to be operating right now at uh, between one and three in the afternoon. Normally, their best time is to operate is between one and three a.m. as the bars close, right? And uh, so I'm in Mobile, Alabama, and uh, Eric Geemont was a strength coach at the Raiders, been a long time strength coach for the Pittsburgh Steelers. All right, and so Garrett and I were really good friends. And we walked over from the hotel over to the Waffle House, right? And as soon as I got in there, I, I went to the back, you know, and, and then I came back and I walked up to the counter and everybody was like, they were just so nice. Talk about Southern hospitality, uh, uh, extra this, extra that, nice talking, smiling, very, very pleasing. And I thought, man, this is, this is the Waffle House right down here. This is one of the greatest experiences that I had. I thought the husband, Southern hospitality was off the charts, you know, and just being down in Mobile, Alabama. So we're walking back to the hotel and I said, you know, D, I says, I really appreciate how nice the people were to me and that Southern hospitality down here. And he goes, I told him your father owned the Waffles house and your name was Mike Waffle. <laughs> so good. Hey, that's good. Hey, I got the owner of the Waffle House on here. He's the CEO. He's on my computer. I'm telling all the staff here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, hey, I need a, I need a, I need one energy juice life from you to get me through the day. Okay. Right. I had, I had a, uh, a, a great, great head coach. Okay. And his name is John Gruden. All right. And he used to walk to the, to the meeting room and he go, energy life juice you know and <laughs> that really wired <laughs> up and get you going you know and the other hey, one the other one is this and you had me do this on podcasts is uh my head coach bruce snyder um he was a great head coach at, you know i ended up at arizona state cal berkeley and uh anyways coach snyder and my head coach at utah state i was just captain on his first winning team but coach snyder said one thing i want you guys to do is when you wake up because we're getting ready. For, we just finished up training camp, getting for our first game. When you wake up on game day morning, the first thing that goes off in your head, game day, game day, game day, you know? And every guy that I taught that, and just like all the time, you know, this uh, Aaron will text me, you know, and go game day, game day, game day on, on Sunday morning, you know, type of thing, you know? And so it's, it's um, you know, that's a good little tricky one too, that I thought was a little cliche that stuck with guys. After I usually took five seconds to forget, you know, try to remember which city it was we were in or whatever, whether it was Detroit or Cincinnati, I did. I said, game day, game day, game day. <laughs> and Aaron definitely was on the show and still does it. So, uh, hey, Mike Waffle, one of the best. Appreciate you so much. Always great catching up with you. And I'm in, I'm in your house for a few more hours here today. So thank you for letting me crash and eat some waffles in the Waffle House. Give, give Whalen and Luke a big hug. I couldn't believe that picture. You know, it's amazing how much Luke looks like Meg. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's good for him. It's good for him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Whalen's got that long. <laughs> uh, yes, he does. Yes, he does, man. So, miss, miss you, man. Love you, and talk to you soon. Okay. All right, please take care, Chris. Thanks a lot for having us on the show. Have on the show. Yeah, oh, man. Of course, of course. Right. Tell Katha. See you. It was fun talking to Waff, man. You know, Waff and I. Uh, are really tight you know we used to butt heads you know like any any coach and player especially when you're in the trenches for like a long time I mean we in the NFL nowadays you don't have a coach for longer than than a couple years if you're lucky uh, or unlucky and I had WAF for golly about five six years and in the prime of my career you know right after my my big year fish came in and and you know um 
Waff came in and, and, and so did a lot of great D linemen to kind of join the group. And it was special. It was special. And we, we talk a lot now. We don't butt heads anymore because we're not arguing over, hey, what am I supposed to do on this play or that play? But one thing Waff always did was, and we talked about it in the interview, he got us to buy in and play extremely hard for each other. And, you know, like he said, uh, it's about the players. And he did a good job of setting that environment up where guys could really just act like we were a bunch of fucking pirates or something. Like we thought we were, we were unruly. We were unruly all the time. And Waff leaned into that. He didn't try to button us up. He let us be unruly. And that was why he was great. Another anecdote that I forgot to tell you about Aaron Donald was, this is a true story. I mean, people have read this where Aaron said it. When Aaron came in the league, um, we all knew he was really good right away. In fact, I do want to take credit for being the first person calling it that he was going to Hall of Fame. I can remember where I was. It was third day of camp. Jim Thomas asked me, I believe, in St. Louis. I said, this kid's going to Hall of Fame. So anyways, um, Waff saw the same thing. And Waff talked to AD uh, the first week and said, you do whatever the fuck you want to do. Um, I'm not going to try to fix anything you're doing because you've pretty much already got the tools. It's just going to be about fine tuning. I think it's a great lesson, man. Like, you know, as a rookie, it's evident that he's going to be great. Um, you're not trying to change that rookie. You're not trying to put your stamp on him. You're trying to accentuate what he does well. And I think that even though Waff didn't try to kind of take over Aaron's thought processes or change the way he played, Aaron would tell you that Waff had a great deal to do with his success. I mean, Aaron was going to be successful no matter what, but when you're talking about being a hall of famer, it's cutting hairs, you know, it's 15 sacks here. It's 15 sacks there. It's one more pro bowl year. It's one more uh, double digit year. Um, and those are the things that make the difference between being the best ever and one of the best ever. And I do believe Aaron Donald is going to be the best ever. Um, so Mike waffle, a lot of fun, great catching up with him. You know, what's not so fun is, uh, my mindset right now in the waffle house. Uh, I'm seven waffles down. It was not easy to get to, to six. Uh, I took a quick break Waffle popped on. I just milked seven all the way through the interview and it was slow. Um, now I'm not constipated anymore and there's some good news, bad news there. The good news is, uh, you know, I'm not constipated anymore, but the bad news is I've gone through this process here at the waffle house. So I rounded the corner to go to the bathroom and this isn't an extremely large waffle house. The characters are getting to know each other here. And, um, as I round the corner to hit the bathroom, I think everybody knows where I'm going. Um, and when I open the door, it's a single toilet. Like there's no stalls, there's no urinals. Like if I drop a bomb in here, everybody knows who it was. Um, and that's gonna be a dicey situation if I'm here for a while. So like knowing that is a little bit of a mind fuck. Um, but the good news is I'm no longer constipated. I am officially at the waffle house, uh, as of about 10 minutes ago. So without further ado, uh, I want to call over my best friend, Cindy, um, who works here at the waffle house. Actually doesn't work here at the waffle house. I said she came from Lynchburg, Virginia to see her boy. I had no idea about the podcast that, that certainly never saw me play football or anything. Just heard there was maybe a famous person coming in here. And I don't know who told her I was famous, but 
because Lord knows I can't tell. I was all worried about, Hey, if I post that I'm going to be on the waffle house, maybe there'd be like two, three guys pop up. It's quiet as a church mouse here. And I love it. Um, it's just me, the raccoon, the producers and Dr. Fact should be here soon. So let's get Cindy on to pick her brain a little bit about the waffle house and, and me trying to complete this challenge. She's got a lot of sage wisdom. My second guest at the Waffle House is Cindy, who I called earlier, the, one of the greatest American employees I've ever met. Cindy, how are you? I'm doing excellent, Chris. How are you? I'm good. Welcome to the Greenlight Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, uh, this is the first podcast uh, ever recorded from this Waffle House, probably, yeah? Uh, absolutely, and this is actually my first podcast ever doing. So. Yeah, so, well, that's good. You're pretty, pretty good so far. You're Thank pretty good you. at it. Yeah, no problem. So Cindy works at the Waffle House, but she works at the Waffle House where? On Wards Road in Lynchburg, Virginia. So you drove up here to see uh, see your boy. I sure did. Cindy's awesome. She came up here. <laughs> she's taking good care of me. She's giving me some hot tips about waffles. Uh, tip number one was we had a Sprite on the table because I like Sprite because it doesn't have any caffeine in it. So I was getting ready to crush it. <laughs> and uh, my buddies were like, don't do that. The carbonation is going to slow you down. And you said what? I said that I think the carbonation is actually going to make you eat more because you will burp, which will make your belly, you know, less full. Yeah, I like that. It's, it's basically science. Um, and so far this worked. I burped twice. I don't know <laughs> yeah, if you heard me. I did. But I yeah, sure no, did. Yeah. So when, so when do you think if, if I wanted to get out of here before it gets crowded, what, what time is it going to get crowded around here? And don't say 1am because I know at 1am it's going to be out of control. Um, well, typically during the week, it's not so, you know, not so bad. It can get a little crazy at nighttime at all. Waffle House. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of need security. You, you, you need know. security. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, on the weekends, it's, it's hectic. We are slam packed on the weekends down there. Yeah, you're gonna need. What's your ringer? Oh, is that a ringer? Yep, oh, yep, I thought it was. Yep. What yep. song is that? Uh, Kevin Gates. Oh, it's Kevin Gates. It Kevin is. Gates is at Bonnaroo. We're gonna, <laughs> but unfortunately for Kevin Gates, it's during my morning jacket, so I might miss him. But Kevin Gates, Kevin Gates, huh? Yes. Okay. So let me ask you a question. Yes, sir. Um, how many is the most waffles you've seen eat in Lynchburg at your location? Um, probably triple. So three, three waffles, and for me, like just customers coming in. Yeah. I haven't had anybody come in to do like a challenge like you have, but. In one sitting, three waffles for sure. Now we'll have people that come in to goes and they'll order like, you know, 10 waffles to go. Now, 10 waffles. Whoever's probably. eating them, I'm yeah. not sure, but. Maybe their families. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking, uh, I was thinking when I walked in here, 12 uh, would be pretty easy to put down. I'm down seven. I'm seven waffles down and the pace is slowed. Oh, yeah. And I, oh, absolutely. Because the waffles are definitely filling. It's like bread. So. Because we'll have, we'll have customers that'll get the all-star breakfast that comes with the waffle and they won't even get the toast because they have the waffle. They, right. they don't want all that starch. Yeah. So bread. They're so, starching these? I'm sure of it. It's bread. Right? Man, it feels like they're starching these. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So and honestly, I'm going to change my answer. You are the first person I've seen eat seven waffles. Okay. That's so. good. No, well, they said they can't, they said somebody came in here and ate seven waffles and in 15 minutes, somebody set a record. Yeah. It was oh, a, wow. it was a cadet at Virginia tech, but we're not in here for the sprint. We're in here for the marathon. So if the over under, do you, do you gamble? No. Okay. Well, so, I'm so smart. generally, if I was to, yeah, you are smart. <laughs> I'm smart. <laughs> I know that's why I like you. She, I've been calling her my guardian angel. So Sandy's my guardian angel. She doesn't gamble. Um, 
I should aspire to be like her. But so generally, if I was to say an over under, I'd set a number and you tell me if I'm going to eat more or less than this, this waffle, judging off of what you've seen already and your knowledge of waffles. If I set it at 15, do you think I'm going to go over or under that number? Can I ask how your stomach is feeling right now? It's feeling like a uh, two car garage with three cars in it. Okay. I'm going to guess. I'm going to stop at 15. That's, okay. That's what I'll do. I'm going so to give you that 15. You Vegas knows. Yeah, Vegas I'm gonna knows. I'm going to give you that 15 because since you have the rest of the evening and you have until. Vegas you know. knows. Yeah. If anything happens around here this evening and I needed security, could we call you? Absolutely. Come back and yeah, I'll come rough back some and people up. Absolutely. Okay. I got your back. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I got your back. Cindy's... I already told you I'd stay till sundown. So no, well, sundown is when I'm I'm supposed to go home, but <laughs> I'm starting to feel like maybe uh maybe, maybe it's not gonna be sundown. That, huh? Well, no, it's gonna be a lot oh, a lot well, later. later. That's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. Do you like football? Um, I do. I do. Do you have a favorite team just I, for the people at home? I do. Washington. Oh, the Washington football team. Stick with the same team. I was telling him that I used to be a really big fan of the New York Giants. I oh, didn't really. Dr. Fax played yep, for the New York Giants. I didn't really Giants. have a favorite player either. I just loved the New York Giants. I always rooted for them. And then, yeah. you know, Washington. I think I got that really from my mom. She was a big Washington fan. Oh, so really? Then, like, I guess it rubbed off on me. And I just, I've loved them ever since. It's like kind of a disease a little bit. I grew up in a household where it was me against. Like seven other people who yeah. were rooting for the Cowboys. Yeah, and then yeah. you had me who <laughs> was by herself. Golly, that's when you just yeah. walk outside and find a new family. That's a lot <laughs> of crazy shit in yep. one house. So, what do you think's harder, rooting for the Washington football team or the Waffle House Challenge? What's harder? Yeah, what's more? What's harder on on the person doing it, eating twenty four hours worth of waffles, or or rooting for the Washington football team? Oh yeah, that's 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 rough. Yeah, it's rough. There's, yeah. there's no easy answer there. Absolutely. Though. Yep. All right. Isn't, All right. Well, well, Cindy's a Washington football fan. She's a valued employee. <laughs> yes. And she has been making us feel so welcome. So we really appreciate Cindy her debut on the Green Light Pod. I actually just got my first year because I've been here for a year, oh. so I finally got it today. Nice. Congratulations. Thank you so, so much. Hey, big <laughs> round of applause for Cindy. Thank you. She's leveling up. Yep. I'm going to see how many years I can do with the Waffle House. Well, I, I hope you do a, a million. If you want to do a million, you should do a million <laughs> because corporate needs to know yep. this is like employee one. Also, oh, Cindy. Yeah, Cindy. Another thing is I wanted to show you my co-host and you could either make fun of him or tell me he's kind of cute or you could tell me he's too skinny or because he's going to be in the Waffle House next year because he's going to lose this bet this coming football season. And we're going to send him to Lynchburg. Yeah, you should. Absolutely. Please. Yeah, no problem. Hold on one <laughs> second. I'm going to pull up a picture of Macon. He's handsome. Oh, wow. He's, he's he's handsome. But her face is kind of like, he's handsome, but there's a but. I mean, you're you're better looking. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> that wasn't even the point of the exercise, but 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 he got a handsome. Yeah. What do you think about his uh, his haircut? Do you think it's, that works for him? Um, or if you were his stylist, what would you do? Yeah, he definitely needs something else going on with that. Yeah, yeah. What, like maybe like uh, the we'll see. something faded or slick like, back looks good. You yeah, like I my like, mullet? I yeah, you like a little bit. Yep, of the, the, I love the slick back kind of look. So yeah, um, yeah, he he should uh, he should <laughs> slick it back. <laughs> I love it. For All sure. right, well, Cindy, thank you. Congratulations <laughs> on your year of service at the Waffle House. Thank you so and much. Here's to many more.
Yes. Yeah, cheers. Have, so. This has been a privilege. Like, you guys have no idea. This is amazing to me. I've never done anything like this. Hey, listen, you, you're a pro. Oh. I mean, you came on here. You're not even nervous. <laughs> I'm not at all, actually. <laughs> she's like, she's a pro at this. I'm like, I know so, how to do this. So at the next Waffle House uh, challenge next year in Lynchburg, we'll talk to Cindy again. All yes, right. Because I'm going to be there because I'm not going anywhere. Cindy from Waffle House, y'all. Thank you, Cindy. Thank you. Yeah. So this good, bad, ugly uh, was just what the doctor ordered. This was a really rough uh, time at the Waffle House that was starting. Uh, and when Dr. Fax strolled in, it was like wind in my sails. And the edible didn't hurt either. All right, so we're back. Uh, I talked to Cindy about ah, 40 minutes ago. We took a break, took a breather. Dr. Fax is in the building. Yo, 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 what's good? How does my skin look? Do I look pale? Yeah, you're not looking as vibrant as you <laughs> as you usually <laughs> you usually look. You're looking kind of sluggish. Yeah. Your your posture. Um, um, my friend Nina from the Posture Studio in downtown Charlottesville, she would not be happy with your Are posture. you trying to get a posture uh, endorsement? Yeah, you know how to throw that in there. Yeah, the reality is set in. This is a real thing, okay? Like, I came in here with this this attitude, you know, that I was just going to be able to go mind over matter, and I just let willpower take over, and it's not true. And I hope that everybody knows um, that this is a serious thing. I mean, I don't know how else I could put this. I was going to liken it to like when people get COVID and they didn't think it was real and then they find out it's fucking real. I mean, like, it's kind of like that, but it's less serious. You know what I was thinking you should probably do? If, you, if, if we plan on doing this, like, every year at a Waffle House, maybe you should try to get, like, a Pepto-Bismol, like... Endorsement? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. We'll get that after we get the posture plug. Yeah, the posture studio. Um, uh, you know... It's almost dinner time here. It's 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 we're almost four hours in. You know, I walked into this place at at uh, one sixteen. It's five oh eight. Um, you know, we we got settled. We started eating. I'm at you know I did six waffles in fifteen minutes before you got here. They briefed you on that, right? Yeah, I heard. And the last two have been going down the hatch slow. If you come in here and do this like by choice, you're like a wingsuit guy. Like you legitimately are just not wired correctly. So let me ask you this. Did you, do you think you underestimated? Oh, absolutely. No question. No question. The <laughs> line, like, the line was like nine okay. and a half. I thought I was going to win okay. and we're down like 14 points in the third so quarter. So what waffle did you, did you eat? Or was it just after you ate the first one, you just felt how it felt? No, it was, like, the, it was, I, it was the, the end of the sixth one that monkey jumped on my back and I haven't been right since. So I talked to Waff. You know, I picked it a waffle. I talked to Cindy. I've been picking it a waffle. Uh, and then I, I, I threw about 30 milligrams down the hatch. Um, you know, it's, it's edible time and waiting for this thing to kick in and make me feel okay. But so are you my, afraid, are you afraid that edibles might do their thing in there and like force you into the bathroom? Edibles don't make you shit. Edibles make you shit. I mean, when you have a lot of stuff in your stomach, no, not, not me, not me. Uh, <laughs> Not me, not me. Uh, what I really want from the edibles uh, is a sense of calm, is a sense of like pain relief. I am in a lot of pain right now. I can, I can see it. I think yeah, you, my, it's like a dull body you, ache kind you know, of thing. You know what I should suggest? What should you suggest? I think at some point you should probably get up. Do you think and, I'm allowed to pull the trigger? Does that call? 
Does that does that like if I pull the trigger and bomb? I don't. I don't, that, I don't think that, that would negates help. the whole. I don't think it would. Oh, help. would help. I, I don't know. Not for you if you're gonna eat. If you're trying to eat more, like to get out of here, I don't think it's gonna help. Like eventually, because I feel like I also think it's against the rules. If you pull um, the trigger, it'll make you want to keep throwing up. Well, I, I mean, think at some point you should probably take like a few walking laps. I think you need. I think I can't right. leave the 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 Waffle House. No, I don't think. Like, am I allowed to be still, in the parking lot? If you're still on the ground, no, you're not. They say I can't be in the parking lot. Oh. So the shift has changed here, and I think the biggest thing is like in the condition I'm in. Um, the opponent's about to start the biggest drive of the night, and that's that's dinner because I don't plan on being here for the one a.m. crowd. No way. The dinner crowd is going to be interesting. Um, so we'll see how this goes. So let's get to good, bad, ugly. This in and of itself could be ugly, and then we'll get to a, a mailbag. We might have a dietitian calling it to explain to me what's happening in my body. I have some good questions for him. Oh, you do? Yeah. Okay, good. At least two. You got two? Yeah. Okay, I'll put you down for three. <laughs> All right, so good, I think... Everybody agrees, and as we record this is Wednesday evening, uh, Teddy Bridgewater getting the start. Getting that we start. thought the other day with Jeff no, no, Schwartz. No, 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 no. You and Jeff, don't add me into that. I actually wasn't. I was talking about the talent on the show, not to uh, nothing. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fucking with you. No, no, no. But we thought that Teddy Bridgewater would sit until at least week five. I did not think Vic Fangio had this in him to make this call. It's the right call. It's what Twitter wants, which rarely is the right call, but it's the right call. And I think we've seen enough of Drew Locke in Denver. I mean, maybe he ends up back in saddle, but if he does, that team's not going to be competitive at that hey, point. Hey, but here's my thing when that situation, why does everyone look at it like that? Like you have a good backup. Like it's good to have two good quarterbacks on, on your team. Listen, absolutely. Having two quarterbacks is going to be essential. Last year, we talked to Bruce Arians uh, before the season, which feels like yesterday. And we said, you know, have you thought about you know, bringing quarterbacks in uh, and, and, and kind of stashing them so that they're out of protocol? uh perpetually like keeping somebody at home and saying like an emergency thing well this fall we're going to have a lot of the same mechanics you see what's going on in new england with cam uh you've seen what's going on with with kirk and the questions about his plexiglass box and all that stuff evidently an epidemiologist uh came in did i say that word correctly came in and 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 spit some knowledge at kirk but I don't know if Kirk could hear it from inside his box. Plus, who the fuck cares what an epidemiologist says? I want to see what Facebook says. I like them having these two guys because of the volume, but I don't think, and I agreed with you right off the bat on the surface, but Drew Locke being a backup, I think a really good backup depends on the kind of team you're on, but with a team with a good solid defense, maybe a couple pieces around you, you want a backup that's not going to turn the ball over. So I, you know, like Drew's got to work on that. I mean, that's why he's, he's where he is right now. I mean, he hasn't been able to take care of the football. And and maybe he'll learn and maybe he'll learn from that. Like he'll get those extra reps in in practice and during the year. And it's something where if he does get in there, hopefully he can hit the ground running and it it all works out. And a lot of times you got to hit rock bottom as a player to, to get better and so you know a benching or a demotion is rock bottom especially when it comes to the team that drafted you so and you talk about like that second that second shot or like that just that new opportunity for quarterback and you have to think about um 
in the long run, this is this is that second or third shot, the way you look at it, for Teddy Bridgewater. So it, it's just one of those things that I, I think that for all quarterbacks, any position, like if, if you have a situation and you do feel like you're at the rock, rock bottom, you get hurt or whatever it may be, you get moved out of your spot, you just have to keep grinding because – this is indicative of, of Teddy, like everything he's been been through. Like he he didn't really do anything wrong except for, I believe, just getting hurt. Well, he was injured and he's listen, if we're being honest, you know, Teddy's never been a top tier quarterback and he's probably not going to be a top tier quarterback. But, but plenty I think of even mid, more plenty of mid grade cats get get paid yeah. and get and, and get trusted. And I think what we were hoping for, at least when we talked about it on the show when it first broke, was that, hey, maybe this is the situation where you've got a team that's good enough that's not going to draft high enough to take your replacement. And if you can prove it on a one-year deal, I believe he's on a one-year deal with them. If you can prove it, that's great. This is the perfect opportunity for Teddy. If he doesn't get this one, he won't get another one. Now he might get another one, but 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 not with yeah. as much upside where you can play yourself into a bigger deal on a team that's not going to be good enough or bad enough when it comes to drafting high um, that you're going to get your heir apparent. Do you have any good? Um, no. Don't think of anything. There's no need to force a good. No, I'm still okay. I'm, I'm still kind of grieving from snaps. So. Did we ever get a cause of death on snaps? Corner ever come back? Or It's kind of shady, the fact that he just suddenly died 30 years before his... I mean, like you said, like... It, Did you guys have, like, turtle insurance or something? Nah, no turtle insurance. James River Runners doesn't offer insurance on their yeah, turtles. James River Runners doesn't... <laughs> doesn't offer a protection plan. The James River Runners don't offer a protection plan on uh, on the turtles that you take from their from their river frontage. But seriously, man, we need a like I need a cause of death before I can really put this to bed. Hey, bad. I got I got a bad. It's good. Waylon lost his tooth this week. First tooth he ever lost. Yeah. So lit. So are you yeah, gonna very do, lit. are you gonna do the tooth fairy thing? So we're doing the we're doing the tooth fairy thing. I'm sorry if anybody's listening and I've done this with Christmas. Tooth fairy's not real, guys. Okay, so no spoilers, you know, don't so tell not, my kid. But so you're not going to do it? You're not going to? No, we did it. We we gave him a dollar. He lost a tooth. A and I, that's what I said to Meg. That's what? a lot of money, dude. That's a... Bro, only a dollar? How many fucking teeth does he have? Bro, you're supposed to have at least give like a five or He's ten five or years old, dude. So what? What's he going to do with that dollar? <laughs> so we haven't even gotten to the bad part. You really think a dollar is not enough? The kid's got 10,000 teeth. He's like a shark. And they're all going to be coming out. Yo, yo, a dollar? Hell yeah, dude. Money doesn't grow on fucking trees. Bro, I'll be... I'll Not everybody's be. getting a windfall from a from a tortoise insurance uh, claim. Man, I can't even make a minimum bet at win bet with a dollar, bro. No, you can't. That's true. <laughs> but it's it's here's the ugly part, or the bad part. We're not even at the ugly part yet, but... You know, his tooth's getting ready to come out and his mom's trying to get him to lose it because, you know, it's it's getting ready to come out. And and, and Meg's, Meg's not forcing him, but she, he's got to go to school tomorrow. And if he loses his tooth at school, you know, he, he'll lose his tooth. He won't get a dollar from the tooth fairy. I mean, fuck. But when we get down to it, he's having a little trouble getting it out. I said, why don't we tie a string to the golf cart? You, you suggested this? Yeah, or a truck or something. I've seen it done online. I've seen it done on, on Jackass. Like, that's a jackass, jackass move. Danger. Is that Aaron. where I saw it, Reed? Yep. D Danger Aaron gets his tooth pulled from Bam driving a Lambo. 
Okay. Well, it pops out cleanly. Every time I've seen it, it's popped out cleanly. Now I didn't even lead with that. I just said, let's do the door thing. Meg was like, that's not a thing anymore, man. Like people don't do that anymore. Did you know people stopped doing the door thing? Um, I just always thought that was like some movie shit. And like, to be quite honest, don't want to put it out there. That's more of a white, white guy thing. shit. Yeah. yeah. Like for sure. Yeah. I, I don't think any black parents are like, Hey, let's, let's I want to ask you this. <laughs> let's, and I want to ask you this and, and, and I want it to sound right. Um, okay. how are loose teeth handled in your community? <laughs> I think honestly, um, it's something where I think I remember telling my mom and my mom telling me just to keep moving it back and forth with your tongue. And, and you got five dollars when you lost your two. Um, probably not. See, when you were a kid, one dollar seemed like a hundred. So you, I mean, like a, a one dollar is plenty of money for a five-year-old. My five-year-old doesn't need a dollar for anything. You want to tell? You want to know how the five-year-old spent his one dollar? How? He already went to the fucking dollar store. Okay. Lit. Yeah. So he, imagine if he had five. Well, imagine if he waited for five teeth to be pulled. He's a total consumer. He was like, we were like, hey, man, there's this thing called saving. And he was like, nah, I want to go to the dollar store tomorrow. I was oh, like, the dollar store. That's they got a lot of choices. In a the lot dollar of toys. Store. What did he get? He got a green thing that <laughs> totally appeared to be a dog toy. You know, we have a young dog. He's going to learn his lesson with this toy because he spent his hard earned money in one place. You ever have like a granddad who said, don't spend it all in one place. My granddad would give me like $5 for Christmas and say, don't spend it all in one place. And they started giving me bonds. And I was like, I don't even know what to do with these. So don't worry about it. So here's my, here's my explanation for why the dollar, it used to be a good tool um compensation but why it's not inflation now. inflation inflation bro. when we were younger a dollar we could get four bags of chips they don't even have quarter bag of chips anymore 20 cowtails listen like, <laughs> I, i'm totally with you at the lowest level inflation has actually affected tooth compensation <laughs> it's funny though we had a whole pillow with a little a little pocket in there it says for the tooth fairy and the whole nine yards and when you explain like I feel like my kid's at least like he's two years away from realizing Santa Claus isn't getting real. Like pretty soon he's going to find out. My older you know sister, that, right? My older sister ruined it for me very young before I can even get into it. Well, I'm just telling you, and you seem fine. Yeah, I'm fine. Okay. So I think he's, he's going to have a hard time wrapping his head around that. There's a woman that comes in our house, not through the chimney, you know, we have an alarm system. How's she entering the house? How does she do her business? Like he's, he's not, he, I think he might be playing us for the money. I think he might know that this, this is not real and I need my dollar. And I'm going to the dollar store. So that was my bad that I evidently my practice for getting a tooth out is completely archaic. So my bad is that the New York post put out an article that Supposedly, glizzies, a.k.a. hot dogs, take 35 minutes off your life for every hot dog you consume. I saw this. Have you done the math? Here's the thing. Nobody knows how long they're going to live, so we don't really know what that, like, we, we don't know what that figure is. But I, but I immediately, when I read this article, just like recently, yeah. all I thought about is how you 
we're trying to get competitive eaters on the show, and one of them didn't respond back. But one of them, all of them, none of them. Evidently, they're all the busiest people in the world. I did not know that they had jobs outside of what they shoveled food. But my thing is, what if it. they're all right now just panicking? Because if they're all competitive eaters, they've all been in a hot dog eating contest. Probably, I would guess, probably more than three, and they've consumed a lot of hot dogs. Yeah. And with that article coming out, thirty-five might, minutes per dog. Yeah, that's for Lizzie. That's an hour plus every two dogs. So just a competition, Joey Chestnut had 77. That's 36 hours. Okay. You know, I think with these Joey Chestnut type guys, it's a live fast, die young situation. They have, they What's have the week, alternative? They have, that they, guy they probably have at least two weeks less than the average person. Okay. But no offense to a competitive eater, but are you taking the 88 year, three month and two week lifespan with, you know, millions of dollars possibly or are you going 88 years and six months like the bank account difference is crazy and in fact this this should be an ugly i actually i groveled in uh in in chestnuts dms to get him on today i actually dm joey chestnut i don't know if he's read it or not but it's pathetic that i'm dming competitive eaters to come on my show i slid into joey chestnuts dms and let's see has it's he seen has he seen it or not this makes me feel better he left you on red or he seen hasn't it? seen it oh he hasn't no it says sent it says sent okay. sent sent yesterday <laughs> i said hey man i used to play football and i have a podcast <laughs> and i lost a fantasy bet i have to do 24 hours in the waffle house i'm going tomorrow and i lose an hour off every time i eat a waffle i'm trying to get out in two hours <laughs> <laughs> oh there's a family here uh i had my folks reach out to you but i know that's tough if you had 10 minutes to call in we'd love it hail mary thanks for reading bro that sounds like that literally sounds like you got hacked and he's about to get scammed bro like bro, that sounds like a like a savvy scammer trying to get someone it does to engage it does with them. i'm a prince parentheses saudi arabia like you yeah said, there was that wait, wait you said i'm only trying to stay two hours yeah well that that was the part that that was that was supposed to be the hook because he was supposed to be like oh i've got a, i've, got a, math I've got a ball of clay here he knows he, he's a mathematician he's already he's already counted up when he's how early he's going to die this week. But I mean, big shout out to Joey Chestnut. Nothing but respect. Nothing but even more respect. These guys, this is a sport. I just want to say this. I mean, I know that the people call it a sport, and I'm sure some people are like, oh, it's not a athletics. This shit is not for the week. That's bad. Oh, what's your ugly? Oh, my ugly? I went on a blocking spree yesterday on Twitter, and I'm really good. Like, this was almost uh, it was like a relapse situation. I've become really good at not arguing with people, not letting people bother me. The whole thing I do when I try to fend off people who are obviously being fucking stupid, whether that's, like, willingly or unwillingly, mm -hmm. is, uh, is I kind of just imagine meeting them in person. <laughs> and I say, would I ever have this discussion with somebody in person? Like, but you probably would, knowing you, though. They wouldn't. Say it again? They wouldn't, though. With you? I would, like, listen, the disagreement wouldn't bother me as much. Like, 
it's more the fact that I'm like, you're ri- no, 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 no. It's really like, you really are not understanding what I'm trying to say. Like you really are missing the point, like almost intentionally. That's why I get really frustrated. Not that somebody disagrees with me. I, I, I actually like it when people disagree with me because I like arguing. And I also feel like if you're in the minority on something, I'll like green Gatorade, you're right. So Tori Smith, Toy Smith shared a, a gif that was aggressive. It was a guy throwing trash out. And the, the gif was conveying, you know, his displeasure with when people send fan mail to people's houses. And I was like, oh, it's a good, safe tweet. I'll jump in the fray. I don't like that either. You know, like I have answered once or twice. But generally, if you send mail to somebody's house, you looked up their address and you sent mail there. And you're expecting it. Not only is it like a little bit of an entitlement thing, I'm sorry, but it's also a thing that's like a little bit invasive because what you don't understand is like, when you do that, if I send that back, I'll send a hundred autographs back. And I used to, before I had kids and my kids live in this house too. Oh, now. Wait, 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 wait. They're sending something to you to the house, but for you to sign and oh, yeah. send back. Oh yeah. Not like a gift. Like, Hey, this would be awesome. If you take this and wear it and I see it and I know I sent it to you. Yeah, no, no, it's in free shit. Which, which would still be, listen, if you, if you, if you, even if you send me free shit, I think this is what people don't understand. People got really mad at Tori. And then when I responded, they were like, you know, not everybody grew up with Howie Long as their dad. And they have heroes nearby. I'm like, motherfucker, I don't know. You're missing the point. One, you don't need an autograph to breathe. So therefore, like, even if Howie Long wasn't my dad, I don't think I'd be out hunting autographs. But you have like, to know that that's three. the art of trolling. And right? three, no, no, no. These people are serious, bro. But they're trolling also, bro. Like they're not trolling. They're look at trolling their, they look for, like the people. No, listen, no, bro. They want you to respond. That's like, that's and the that's fine. Band, and guess bro. what? And guess what they get blocked? <laughs> all of them. Because here's the deal. Pro athletes did not sign up for you to have the address where their kids live, where their wife lives. A lot of people took it as, and this is part of the problem with the whole discussion. You're an asshole because you don't sign autographs. That's not it at all. Have you ever seen me be mean to a fan? No. Have you ever seen me turn out an autograph? No, for people and I never have. No, no, hold on. And I used to stay out at the 50-yard line at camp until everyone went home. Bro, I get After Rams games, I was the last guy. You can ask anybody in St. Louis. Bro, I get that was it, at, bro. But here's the, th- here's the thing that people don't understand. When you send something to somebody's house, it's not that I won't write my name or that I don't value fans. It's that my kids live there. It's that my wife lives there. And if I start answering, then more people have my address and more people are encouraged to do it. And if there's a hundred fans, yes, 98 of y'all are great, but two of y'all might pull up and knock on the door. Okay. Do you have a PO box, bro? Just get a PO box. That's the point. It's so funny because you'll get called entitled for not signing autographs at your house but you're the entitled one you out there. If you, if you expect me to be happy when a fuck ton of mail shows up at my house, look at this. You think that guy's trolling? Look at this guy. His fucking picture is him jumping to get in a picture with Carson. He didn't seem to mind over 40 hall of famers still sign their fan mail consistently. So would I, if you had my office address. Okay. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to, I'm going to have cowboy Reed set up a green light PO box. Okay, and we'll yes, have it sir. to you on the next one. And listen out there, fans. If you want to send me stuff, send it on over. <laughs> Finish this one. Finish this one. Yeah, yeah. We'll put. How about I put your address out there? Hey, be like them and appreciate the fans who take time to write you. You think this guy's trolling? 
All right. Another guy had a fucking essay, and guess what I did? It got like 16 likes, miserable likes. So you know what you Guess what I did? Guess what I did? You tell me, is this petty? No, you're supposed no, to block you, all I've been trying to ask you a there. question for three minutes. Try to. Try, I did block all 16 of them. Is that petty? No, hell no, bro. Listen, here's the thing about social media, and like, and I heard this from someone else. Social media, Twitter, like my Twitter feed, is like you being in my house. If I don't like you doing something, yeah, you shouldn't be in there. In my house, I can ask you to leave. But you know what's so funny? People feel like they won. You didn't win. I casually threw you out, and you gave me content for my podcast that's making me money tomorrow. You're the butt of the joke. That's the cool guy getting kicked out of the party and no one leaving with him. And he's like, "Yeah, like I got kicked out. That shit was bro." You can go tell. Like, if you're one of the 16 people that got blocked yesterday, like, I'm sorry, but you kind of get one chance not to like co-sign something absolutely stupid. Here's the thing, though. Like. Here's the thing I wish you did. You sh- you're supposed to leave that up for a couple of days so you can collect likes because you can see how it marinates and that might uh, affect other people who are on the fence to like it and then you can get them in that block. Yeah, category. but well, I don't want to block more people. The point of, of arguing with somebody on Twitter is not arguing with that person. It's about it's about arguing with all the people who are sitting there with that thought silently and playing that argument out to give them a chance to come over to the right side. So blocking those people is just a deterrent. You know, I, I don't want to block half my fans. Maybe a bunch of my fans before hearing this thought the same thing. Now you have a choice. You can either tell me you have all the answers and I'm entitled, or you can realize that sending mail to a grown man's address that you looked up on like five websites and hunted down is entitled by nature. My thing is, it's just that like, if you went through all the avenues that, sh- that they had to do to get your address, it's just if you're doing that, you can easily DM or instant message or Facebook or whatever and ask and say, hey, look, I have your address. Would you mind me sending it like if I sent this to you? And I feel like the reason why you don't ask is because, you know, it's kind of shady and it's kind of weird. Like at the end of the day, even if I, I found out one of these guys address, if I started sending you stuff that you necessarily don't like, don't want, like, I'm sure that would bother you. Like, also. Here, here's my policy going forward. And then we're going to move on because, you know, the edibles, you know, already probably kicked in and it's, you know, I'm going to take some more. Uh, Cause it's the best I've felt <laughs> this entire time. My policy is going to be, we're going to get this PO box up and running. You send me whatever you want me to sign short of like anthrax. I will sign it. For uh, Dr. Fax from XL. I yep. like to wear gear <laughs> and cool swag and yeah. someone's in the bong. If you want, how about that? Let's start charging these people. Hey, no, how about this? If you're going to want an autograph and you want Chris or someone famous to send it back, how about you send them something that they can keep? How about you give them a gift? You're most likely going to try to make money. But it's just, the, it's the effort. It's the effort. Can I say, can I say something? Yeah. I, I just want to be clear on this. Even if you send me shit that you're going to turn around and make two ninety nine on eBay for two ninety nine, Cause I know my shit's not going. No, hold on. I'm not going to let you do that. Can I finish? Can I finish? <laughs> I'm not going to let you do that. May I finish? <laughs> so if you're going to do that, I will sign it. No questions asked. I don't care what you're selling. I don't care. Like I will sign it. If it goes to PO box, but here's my deal. I've answered a lot of Instagram DMS and said, I'll send it back to you or whatever. Like post is return. We, we love that. It's not about the money. It's about the effort. 
You know, it's a lot easier for us to just drop something off. Oh yeah, and go back. Yeah. Post his return. And on top of that, yeah. do not DM me asking me for a signed jersey. <laughs> you buy the signed jersey and send it to me. Okay, it's like DMing and asking for tickets, ignoring the price of procuring what you're asking for. It's basically like asking for a gift. Okay, and I am a charitable person. I love fans, but I don't know you, man. And I'm not taking strangers out to dinner for sixty dollars. A fucking NFL jersey costs at least sixty bucks, bro. Well, just so you know. that, bro. Yeah, like one twenty or something. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. Not mine, but you know. Some of you fans are wild. Like Yeah, just just to- just guys, we we've said enough. <laughs> I love fans more than anything. Who doesn't? The irony is I'm just authentic enough to tell you when you're fucked up. A lot of these big brand guys are gonna smile for a camera. They're going to sign at a public thing where they're getting paid. But if you ran up to them at a Waffle House, they just fucking look at you up and down and ignore you. But I'm telling you how I feel. And I would sign. No questions asked. If you yeah, run into me at a shopping. And if anyone's, this is a podcast. It comes out tomorrow. If anyone needs to know, yeah, we're at the Waffle House. No security. <laughs> yeah. Hey, guys, this is an invitation. Any of you fans want to come get an autograph? I'm at the Waffle House. Okay. Any of you. I'm here right now as I record this. There's only two in Charlottesville, so pick the right one. <laughs> oh, man. Earlier, I was like, I don't know, man. If we put this thing on social, maybe like one or two people will show up. And I nobody showed up yet. <laughs> nobody. <laughs> if when you were like, just like, yeah, yeah don't, 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 don't post it. Like, I just don't want no one to know. Like, so it just doesn't get crowded. In my well, head, I had a I couple of people like, DMing me like, which Waffle House? Bro, and people, I was again, people do that just like just to want to know or feel like I hate those people dude. <laughs> to feel like they're in on something that like that All they're right. really not. The mailbag was fun. Uh, you guys had some great questions. Um, I don't know if anybody's ever had their mailbag question answered in a uh, Waffle House before. So if you're one of the lucky few, we should probably get you in the Guinness Book of World Records. And it almost made me forget that I had like five waffles left to eat. This was uh, the goofiest time at the Waffle House for your boy and for Dr. Fax. All right, so it's uh, 7.14 in the evening here. Um, I've eaten nine waffles. Everybody golf clap, all right? Uh, I know how Octomom felt. Actually... An hour ago, I knew how Octomom felt. Now I have nine waffles inside me. Heads up here. We got Tums, uh, and that's a big good news. Yeah, you hear the Tums. You like you like ASMR if you're a misophoniac. Shout out to Macon, whatever the fuck that is. <laughs> Jesus. I'm in a waffle house with nine waffles in my belly. You think I care that you don't like people chewing? <laughs> Anyways, Tums, do not exceed seven in 24 hours. Uh, This is an extenuating circumstance. We got a mailbag, Nate. Worst attribute as a football player from Kai. Oh, yeah. Easy. Well, what do you got? I used to pop up out of my stance. Yeah, you're a popper upper. Yeah, and that's pretty bad for D lineman for anyone out there who isn't that into technical. But the worst thing you could do is stand straight up out of your stance. And I used to do that a lot. I think you popped up with a lot of ex- oh, man. There's no good way to say this. <laughs> 
<laughs> I was gonna say I was looking for, for a replacement for you popped up hard out of your stance because you did, bro. And I I mean nothing by that. I'm just saying like you were an explosive player, so I think you overcame some of that pad level shit. Mine was I could not tackle, bro. Holy shit. If I could tackle even like if you were making a creative player, you know, I would like dominate a block, just like fucking eat somebody's lunch throw them on the ground and then like just whiff like if you were creating a player in madden and they capped that player at 55 in tackling that was me it was See, really that, fucked up tackling was actually one of my strong suits like i don't know what it is i think it was grip strength i think i made a lot of tackles just like purely off of like last minute jersey grab and just being able to hold on you know like you did like just be able to hold on that <laughs> but Got a firm handshake. It used to, it used to work out for me. Don't oh. talk about firm handshakes with me. Do you remember? Do you remember your boy? You do a what's that called? A Adrian Peterson trying to break. Oh, Adrian Peterson hand. has the hardest fucking handshake in the history of handshakes, bro. Oh my goodness! I, the first time I met him, I was like, "Did I do something to him?" Yeah. That's in a game, like, why does he remember me, bro? But no, nah, he's just a big first impressions guy. What are your craziest superstitions? Also from Kai. Well, I always thought it was a weird superstition to pray before the game and ask for God to, <laughs> to help you win. <laughs> As if God, like, and believe me, I've talked to him. But I don't think he cares who wins the football game. I don't think, like, I barely care. You can pray, wins, for, you can pray you for health, though. Yeah, okay, that's cool. Yeah, to stay healthy. Make it back to your kids. Healthy. I also don't think God cares about my hamstring. I think God's got enough to worry about globally and around, you know, our country to be fucking honest. So, yeah, I always thought that was a weird superstition because I don't count asking for a win on the football field as a prayer. I don't think I ever had any football superstitions, but my grandmother, when we were younger, um, if you would drop silverware in the house, yeah, that means that you're gonna have an unexpected guest. So my grandmother, if you ever drop silverware in the house, she would make all of us start cleaning up because that meant <laughs> that meant that we were gonna have unexpected guest, and she didn't want the house to not look up to par I if feel, that really happened. I feel like they're just like older. The older generation, they they're did a so lot of great. amazing things. Yo, but but like, they also made some shit up, too. No, their imaginations were great. There's no way that that could even be a thing that stemmed dude, from anything. Just a lot, a lot, any superstition. Dude, I used like, to have all sorts of dumb superstitions. We were athletes. What's your favorite website not a lot of people know about? Also Evidently, from Kai. Um, oh, Kai. Kai's on fire, dude. This guy, Kai, he is like a, a content farm. Yeah. Um, what? It's lit. Um, trying to get a little. In little the future, if we ever make a Discord, you can make. A, oh, that's make nice. A, you can make them our mod. A website that people don't know. <laughs> Google, try it. <laughs> Some of you motherfuckers, just, <laughs> just please. It's right there on your homepage. A lot of your browsers literally go right to that motherfucker. So, like, and you know, the thing about Google is you can, if you're trying to type some of the, the other uh, websites, you could just type something in up top and your search bar is going to automatically kick in. Try it. I got one for you guys. Yeah. Blackpeoplemeet.com <laughs> It's a great site. You know, if you're actively looking for friends <laughs> that are black and if you're black i think what, it's happens, if, what happens if you get a 
What was that Moore. woman's name who 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 was white? Rachel Dolezal situation. Oh my that. goodness! Do people just rate rate that individual I wonder, down? I have no I have no idea. I actually never been on that site, but neither knows? have I. <laughs> I don't want to be a poser in that motherfucker. Plus, is that for hookups or just friends? I have no idea. Kai asks. What cities should get a pro football team? Kai, I would say St. Louis. I mean, I know it's chalky on my part, but I feel like uh, St. Louis. The NFL kind of has their bases covered, you know? No, I think uh, maybe like 757. Oh, you're saying Tidewater. Yeah, Yeah, down there. But like the NFL likes to, I think you just tie it in with all the military base and everything going on down there. If the NFL put a pro football team in the 757 just to suit like the military, they would be giving tickets away because they couldn't without like a lot of guilt fucking make military people pay for tickets every week. That's not the NFL wouldn't they wouldn't look good doing that. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right, but you'd have to like set up a free deal dude down there. Yeah, I think they just have to find a way to market it. And it's just one of those things. You never know with football, man. Like, it, a, lot, a lot of people really, really enjoy football. But another place I would say it just wouldn't work out um, theoretically is Hawaii. <laughs> Any city in Hawaii <laughs> needs a team because I think every um, – I think it would be dope that if <laughs> – <laughs> if as a player you got to travel once a year to Hawaii, yo, it's lit. I do think it would be, but it would be okay. I got like, no. if, if you only played them the week before your your no, your that would your suck. <laughs> that would suck. I feel like I've been in car crashes for like three months. Now instead of like going home, I have to go to Hawaii for a week and then come home. I, when I come home, I'm be more dehydrated, what, what, jet lagged. What's, what's the difference? What's the difference of going to London? Like, what? It's, I don't want to go to London. I, I get oh, it. Oh, I, I get it though. Think, but for the yeah. people who don't want to go to London, I think if you had to pick London, if you had to pick go to London or go to Hawaii a couple of times a season, what would you pick? Well, if I was a West Coast team, I suppose I'd rather go to Hawaii. But if I were a West Coast team, it would be hot where I am. So, like, wh- why would I be like, oh, I'm in Scottsdale. I need to go warm my bones at, at the Hilton Honolulu. Like, you don't even get to get in the fucking water. Your coach is going to have you in meetings. You're going to be sitting there, like, like looking at a PowerPoint. Is that how it was And there's going to be a wave breaking out your window. And then you have curfew. Yes. Well, no, in London, you had a little more free time. But I'm saying if it was a normal game week trip because if you were a west coast team going to hawaii they would leave two days early that's it and a lot of teams go to london that way too now east coast teams how far is that like that commute six six hours to london and hawaii is about equidistant i believe from lax and sfo so i you know this is actually an unexpectedly interesting topic i fuck with hawaii a lot i fuck who doesn't fuck with hawaii some people Hawaii is people like, don't like planes. I guess, but t- that's that's the plane's fault. It's not Hawaii's fault. <laughs> what other restaurants would you want to spend? Would you want to hang out for twenty four hours? From at Zach Steven. I, you know, I don't think um, Tootsie's. 
Wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. The food there is actually incredible. It's so good. Um, I've heard, but like, you know, I was thinking about like something really sadistic, like a Long John Silver's. Just the smell of, um, yeah. of, 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 you know, frozen fish you know getting me. thawed all day. Why not Arby's? Oh, I love Arby's, dude. Or to be honest, I would love to do Chick-fil-A, but only on Sunday. Oh, dude, only listen. if they let us do it on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Only, only, only if they let us do it on Sunday, I think it'll be worth it. <laughs> no chicken on the Sabbath. <laughs> you like Sonic? Yeah, sure. We would just be able to chill in the car, though. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying, dude. That's I could it. easily spend 24 hours in my car. One time I spent, like, 36 <laughs> in my car. But people so Meg and you, I... Who you want to roll the blades? Yeah, it would be awesome. <laughs> you know, and there's a the thing, you know, like, uh, they come and they go. You know? Yeah. They come and they go. What, they're, when they're, when they're, have you they're, really they're, been to a real Sonic? Not okay. ever. Because, you know, that's funny. Like, you always see Sonic commercials no matter where you're the at. Guy not with everywhere. The, the guy with the face on there. He's the funniest motherfucker on TV. Yeah. And I don't know anything about him. And he's the only thing I know about Sonic. And that's crazy. Like, we don't even. And it's good that way. <laughs> so Sonic's, Sonic's out of the picture. Sonic is out of the picture. <laughs> okay. But the car thing, I can kind of get down with. So, so, so you said. What, what, did, what restaurant did you say? Oh, yeah, Long John Silver. Long John Silver, just to be sadistic. I just like find out whatever making hates and then pick the fuck out of these games this this time. Oh, that's the thing. How, how about Chipotle? Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and then the and then the same challenge look at but, that with, much but with burritos. That same challenge but with burritos. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't want to do one burrito would should equal four. Okay, so hours. okay, so here's a better yeah. so here's a better question. If you got to do this again, yeah, and you win this and you're talking about the Waffle House playing. Oh yeah. <laughs> so if you won if <laughs> If this happened again and you won against Macon, where would you, if you had your pick, where would you make him do it? Hmm. That's a great question. And what would his, like, kind of, like, food terms, like, your one hour off, what, what, yeah, what yeah. option would you That's give him? a great him? question. A hospital cafeteria <laughs> is the answer. It's absolutely the answer. It you know, is a hospital cafeteria, Matt. Some, and and, and have, just c- consider making in a hospital cafeteria for a moment. Everybody close their eyes and envision him walking to get an apple, vigorously washing the apple, vigorously drying the apple, sitting down, reading the newspaper, crossing his legs, biting the apple. It's just on repeat. Some hospitals have really good vending machines, though, bro. Like with some, like, do they really? Like some real good stuff in it now. Like you can get some real, like, high-priced sandwiches. Some stuff you can heat up in the microwave. Some, some really good stuff. They might be priced a dollar or two. Like, when they got you, you're in the fucking hospital. Exactly, but it's just the which is just just an incredible dynamic (laughs) that anybody is making a profit inside of a hospital. I mean, which is a it's a discussion inside a discussion right now. What are your top comedians? Uh, top comedians. Who are the best comedians out there? Um, so I'm a huge fan of Cat Williams. He's on my list. Um, I'm trying to go see him in Baltimore, like in early September. Me and my girl. He's coming out here. Doesn't even bother me about the kid. 
yo, like it doesn't. It's just it. It is what it is. You know hey, what I'm saying? You it, know what? Like it is what it is. It could be. It could be worse. If he there was a, kid, a listen, here's the deal. If there, I think it, it worked better for him that he got beat up versus him beating the kid up. So it is what it is. I'm, I mean, kind of, I'm just saying this, like to be like whatever. I mean. There's probably a 19-year-old or a 17-year-old that's as big or bigger than me that could probably catch me. Oh, uh, bro. You know, I could probably catch a fade from, like, a, a big enough 19-year-old. And Cat Williams, to him, all those ninth, ninth graders are the size of him. They're effectively adults. Ima- imagine being approached nine edibles deep by a big-ass 19-year-old. Oh, I'll, I'll, <laughs> edibles would be like a fucking performance enhancer for me. Oh. Everything moves slow, dude. I would I would just be like, you know, parrying shit in slow motion. And then I would throw him into the principal's office. I wouldn't even I wouldn't even strike the kid. But Cat Williams, Dave Chappelle, and um Dave I would say Bernie, Bernie, I would say Bernie Mac. Bernie yes. Mac, yep. Well for yours. I got I got Dave, I got Tom Segura recently, uh, because I really like watch this shit sometimes, but I wasn't like a huge fan because I don't follow comedy. If you, if that even makes sense, like I don't sit down and watch stand up because most of it's bad. But guess who's not bad? Fucking Tom Segura. Tom Segura is fucking hilarious. And you know what makes him awesome? He's a good fucking podcast host. He's a great podcast host. Like he's a fucking A plus interviewer. I was on his shit, bro. He had me like, I was like in a bad mood. I was on my third pod in a row. And I was like, yeah, I'm excited to talk to him. But by halfway through, I'm like telling him my life story. (laughs) He was awesome, bro. There's some funny ones, dude. I think JB Smoove is hilarious. He's been on the show. Like if you expand to like comedians that are traditionally on TV shows, like I'm going to be able to go for days. But anyways. So right now in Chris's Waffle House Challenge, he's about seven hours in, 10 waffles deep. We're about to bring on Nick Berenger. He's a former nutrition professor at the United States Military Academy of West Point. Chris wanted to know what was going on in his body, how he could put down a few more waffles, and Nick gave us some tips. Enjoy. So it is Nick Berenger. You know, I wanted to pay my debt before the season started. And you know the the whole background, but 24 hours in a Waffle House, one hour off for every waffle uh, that I do force down. It looked easy in the beginning. Uh, Six waffles, 15 minutes. uh, And it has grinded to a halt. I mean, like, it is just, it's a it's a labor of love right now. Um, oh, yeah. What's going on in my belly, man? Well, well you're probably reaching capacity. The, yeah. the, the average human stomach's about, you know, a liter, maybe you can stretch out to three liters. You're, you're a bigger guy. So, so maybe you're, you're closer to your stomach. Maybe you could get to bigger mark. Um, but it, you know, about, uh, what do you say? You're at nine waffles now. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm on number 10 right now. So I number just 10, yeah, so, nine. Yeah. So you've just essentially you've run out of room, uh, Chris. <laughs> so, you know, I see some water there, which yep. is good because you want to have some fluid because what that's going to help is, you know, not to go into too much for the audience, but some gastric emptying, which probably needs to take place. Right. Yep. Now, but the, the problem with those waffles, and I was, I was looking at the nutritional information on this, there's only two grams of fiber per waffle. Oh boy. Uh, and, and most people need about 30 or should be getting about 30 grams of fiber per day. Yeah. 
Yeah. Not a great fiber source for you. But if you can you know, drink some of that uh, water and maybe. Oh, Nick just uh, dropped uh, a bomb on us. Absolutely. Yeah. Just changed the whole, you know, the game just changed. Our best player just went out. We got no fiber, guys. <laughs> That's you, you, you might want some fiber. I'm just yeah, some fiber. You maybe a walk around a little bit. Uh, yeah. Light activity uh, to get that gastric motility happening because you've run out of room and you need to make more room if you want to eat more waffles. Oh my goodness. So what I did leading up to this, and I want you to tell me if I was dead wrong or not. Uh, we were doing some reading on Google, which as you know, is always, you know, right on target source. It's always, you know, WebMD. Um, so we're looking at this thing and it says big meal the night before, you know, like big meal, 18 to 24 hours prior, uh, stretch the stomach out, uh, and then take the rest of that period off. Maybe some fruit, a little bit of fiber, which I'm really glad I, I got a little fiber in this morning uh were we right on target or or off uh you know you you got the right idea in terms of of stretching the stomach you know there's been some folks that that's looked at the stomachs of uh joey chestnut and you know some high level eaters the thing is so basically you essentially you were that guy who went in the weight room one time and lifted weights and, and, and thought they got, I got a pump. I got a pump. <laughs> they got a pump. I'm the guy on vacation, just getting one pump in before you go to the beach. <laughs> haven't done exactly. that that, that's what you did because, because that one meal, you're not, you're not going to stretch your stomach enough. You would have to do that over time. Yeah. And so why these guys, you know, eating pounds of lettuce, uh, you know, you know, for months and years on end in order to stretch their stomach out to get to that level. That's incredible. What else would help me get this stuff down besides fiber? Is there like, you know, you said hydration. Is there, should I squeeze some lemon in, in, in my, in my water? Is there any hack? Uh, is eating Tums helpful? Uh, well, e- eating Tums helpful might help with the heartburn. That's probably going to happen. Right. Uh, it's yeah. point. Um, yeah. and that's just because of that, you know, that, that sphincter that you have at the, you know, the top of your stomach, yeah. it's got a lot of pressure on it, yeah. right? But things yeah. are going to eventually start coming up and you might already have some heartburn. So that might help with that. But as far as being able to hold anything more down, you're not going to get any more down with the Tums. That's for sure. Yeah. Goodness gracious. So take it off, to take it off waffles for a second. Um, they they just posted an article saying that hot dogs might be taking 35 minutes off your life every time you consume a hot dog. And you as being a nutritionist, how do you like how do you get that type of number? And if there is a scale for that, how many minutes would you say a waffle is probably taking off your life? <laughs> That's never been asked that question in my, uh, you know, uh, you know, nearly 20 years of being a dietitian. That, that's probably the best question. Yeah. Right. yeah. So, so how they, how they get that number is, you know, they, they do a lot of studies and a lot of surveys and, and, and to be fair with all this is it's association, not always causation. So they say, okay, right. these people who, who die ate a lot of hot dogs. Um, uh, but, but, That's but to, <laughs> right, to be, be tricky, it's kind of like, uh, what is it? Murders and ice cream sales in the summertime. They both go up or, right. or, yep. or people killing each other. Cause ice cream, probably not. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's a great um, way of putting it. Yeah. So, you know, so, so again, we, we don't know now, now is a hot dog, probably a health food. No, I'm not going to go that far. Um, but, but that's where that number, uh, comes from now back to the waffle, you know, the, the waffle in moderation, probably not as bad. Now what you guys are doing 
where you're eating a lot of waffles, you're, you're overloading your bodies with carbohydrates. You can only oxidize about 90 grams per hour. Each one of those waffles has 55 grams of carbs. So you're probably, you know, well exceeding that. If you were to do that long-term, um, you'd, you'd set yourself up for type two diabetes, right? That, that's, what's going to happen. You're probably, <laughs> probably going to be a diabetic. One of the this types one, this, I've been walking this, out of this place. Yeah. Yes, this one time, it, it would be interesting if you had glucose monitors on, because I would fully expect your, your blood glucose to be, you know, oh boy. well higher than, than what it oh, is. I'm going to be here normal. till 1am. Uh, <laughs> so my favorite, uh, waitress here said that, uh, soda was better for digestion, uh, because of like burp logic, you know, it like <laughs> clears room because of the burps. And I believed her because I wanted a Sprite, but you know, <laughs> what do you say? <laughs> uh, I, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's some Waffle House logic right there. And nothing, you did say the Holiday Inn Express. Yeah, the, the science doesn't add up because you're, you're you're putting carbon carbon dioxide in your stomach, so that's going to, you know, some gas is basically yeah. more space. Now, maybe, you know, when you burp it out, no extra gas is coming with that. There's a frog in the window. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. There's a frog on the window yeah, of the Waffle the House. So <laughs> just like right behind you on the Zoom. Don't, been, don't eat that. No, okay. Yeah, well, I get, it's outside the Waffle House. So listen. <laughs> I'm not allowed to go there. Um, hey, uh, Matt's got the a other day ate a worm. And oh, a yeah, 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 yeah. Is yeah. that healthy? Is that dangerous? What? Nightcrawler. Like a Canadian nightcrawler. Basic, like, basic. You eat worms. No, I don't eat them. But so we had a guy from Jackass on our show. Okay. Yeah. And so that, that just explains it. I don't even have to probably tell you much more. But we, you know, we, we, they fed us bugs and they, you know, we had. Canadian night crawlers and a couple crickets and I've seen Les Stroud do it. I've seen, you know, Bear Grylls yeah. do it. You know, what is that? What's going on with that? So, 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 so bugs are a, a, a great source of protein and sustainable. There, there's some um, protein bar companies now using cricket protein, cricket protein, you know, really. really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I can't think of the name, of course, off the top of my head, but, but I can, you know, send it to, to, uh, uh, Reed or, or whoever. Um, but yeah, there, there's a, a, a protein cricket bar company. So, so it is a, a cheap, uh, you know, uh, form of protein that that's safe. Now, now the, with, with, with some bugs, you'd have to be, careful. Is, are they carrying any parasites or anything like that? Um, there was a, uh, a case in Australia of a kid who ate a slug that was, um, uh, containing a parasite and he got really sick. So as long as it doesn't have a, a, a parasite in that bug, uh, you, you'd probably be okay if it's, it's, yeah. And I would, I would know by now, you, <laughs> you would know by now. Probably. Yeah, there we go. See, but, but crickets are great. Yeah. A lot of people, that's eat the second thing. First, he basically told me like, you're done eating waffles, man. Like there's no more room and you're not eating fiber. And now I was thinking I was going to die because of the night crawler, not the waffles. So Nick, you're the man, dude. This is this has been informative. We we needed the laugh in here, uh, and uh, and we hope to talk to you again if there's ever a nutritional uh, debate going on. Can we hit you up anytime? Always happy to settle it. You're the best. Thank awesome. you so thanks, much, Nick. All right, thanks. So that was a lot of fun, and I can guarantee you, I will not be back there next year. Guarantee. Now I will be. I'll be outside that motherfucker with a lawn chair tapping on the glass and making like he's a gerbil and he's going to be in there all 24 hours because I don't think he could finish a single waffle but we'll talk more about Macon's date in a year at the Waffle House on Monday I just wanted to let y'all know I'm okay 
Um, and, and actually, I'll go a step further. I will guarantee that it will not be me next year. I'm guaranteeing a victory, you know, Joe Namath style. Uh, no Matt Hasselbeck. I mean, I want the ball, I'm going to score. Macon is not my Al Harris. Uh, it's not going to be me there at that Waffle House. Last night, I felt awful when I got home. Uh, but it was nice to feel the humidity outside, open the windows, and, uh, and, and drive back to my family. I walked up and down the uh, driveway for um, probably a period of 45 minutes um, editing the podcast. And uh, I think I kick-started my metabolism because when I got inside, I took an enormous shit. I don't want to mince words here. You made it this far. Then I woke up at 5.30 as well. Uh, and did more business today. Anyways, that's not what you came to hear about. Uh, but I'm okay. I haven't eaten since the Waffle House. That's intentional. I've been fasting. I've been exercising. I've been walking. I've been on my feet. And I feel great. So if it ever happens to you, just know you got to bear down. Get it done. Next day, it'll be back to normal. And I will be back with Macon on Tuesday. Okay? Uh, and we've got a very special guest. I, I went from the Waffle House to big aristotle today i got to interview shaq shaquille o'neal dr o'neal um he is one of the newest win brand ambassadors which means technically we're co-workers all right so that's pretty cool for shaq it's a joke uh <laughs> i'll see y'all tuesday uh and shaq will be on that show so something to look forward to tell a friend Hey, just a reminder here, we're trying to run a, a business. We're trying to be successful. Please follow Chalk Network on Twitter and Instagram and Chalk Media on YouTube for more content from the Greenlight Podcast with uh, yours truly, Chris Long. Thank you kindly. I'm